the point is, when we, the spirit souls, are in the material world, we come under the influence of these forces, we'll call them forces of material nature. And they basically control us. And although we don't even know about it, and we think, oh, I decided to do this, or I want to do that, our desires and our feelings towards something, et cetera, et cetera, we think that's my doing. Really, it's just the influence of the modes of nature that are producing that. Welcome back to the Breaking Trail podcast. This is Ruben, and this is where you learn to navigate life's journey through ancient wisdom. Today, you've tuned in to part two of the three psychological influences that shape our lives. We're going to dive into discussion today about more how these three modes affect us and what we can do about it to, to perhaps transcend those and become free. So, let's begin. So this is, for those of you who are listening right now, this is the sort of a, like a follow-up to the modes of nature that we discussed last week. I, I get the feeling when I'm in the mountains sometimes that it's more and more about like looking cool and it more about more and more about instead of just walking through the mountains like you did before. That's boring, like because you don't want to just walk and and have a nice time and chill out. But now and nowadays it's supposed to be like faster and like heightening the pleasure i guess from being in the mountains like everything's going so fast so you can't i feel like you can't just be in the mode of goodness in nature anymore like it's, it's more and more promoted to just yeah you know what i mean yeah light and fast <clears throat> yeah that's that's become uh, more and more the trend like people used to just go for a walk or a hike in nature and they didn't mind sitting down and you know having a leisurely lunch or, you know, just sitting in the sun for a little while or looking at a view or whatever. You know, now it's about how far you can go in the shortest amount of time, how much vertical you can, you know, get in in a, in a vertical-type situation and, you know, how little you can carry and still get by with it and, you know, and that—that's the mode of passion. It's all competitive, in in one sense. Everything has become competitive, yeah. and that's mode of passion. Why do we do that? What's the like? What's a driver? And why has society <laughs> turned more in that direction? The driver <laughs> is the mode of passion. I mean, the when a person is under the influence of the mode of passion, they act accordingly. So. As that influence has become more dominant in in people's lives across the board, then you know that's what it leads to, you know. And uh, you know, bird watching used to be something people did to watch birds, and now how many bird watchers you meet in the mountains? That's that's true. <laughs> that's true. You know, or or people, or fishers like, I that's rare. Yeah, it's, you know, I don't know. I used to live in Crested Butte. Well, I still technically do, theoretically do, but technically don't. <laughs> you 
But anyway, uh, you, 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 know, you have that, an address in Crestview still? Like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's my home base. That's where my mail goes and whatever, <laughs> which I never see once a, used to be once a year. Now it's once, I don't know how many years, <laughs> you know, maybe two, three, I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, the point is everybody there's an athlete, but, but more on this motor passion page. And so, you know, you'd be talking to a guy and who's been out for a mountain bike ride that day or the day before, and he said, yeah, I did 401. You know, every ride has a name, you know. I did 401 from town in two and a half hours, you know. And and I'd say to myself, I often didn't say that, well, that's too bad, you know, because you miss everything, you know. You don't see anything. You don't feel anything. It's just head down, pumping as hard as you can. You know, I don't, I, I, I used to, you know, sometimes say, say, I don't go out there to go home. I go out there to be out there, you know, and, you know, so sometimes I will stop and, you know, because I don't go fast anyway. So it, it was just a whole different concept of, of the event. And uh, it's, it's kind of like you're just rushing from one thing to another. You're taking your mentality from like your everyday life into nature. And but that's not what you go into nature for. Like I'm, we're not going to nature to, to bring all our stuff with us and let that like let that lead the way when we're out in nature. We just I mean, nature natural. That's like, <laughs> well, some people do. <laughs> yeah. When you yeah. say we, <laughs> you're talking about you and who you may be on that page with. But when yeah. we say in general, that's become less and less of the the motivation. You know, I mean, everybody appreciates nature, but, you know, it's still more and more oriented toward the how quick you can do it and or, you know, what your heart rate was, you know, and it was lower than it was before, or what your VO2 max is, or, you know. And I think the videos that are, you know, so easily available now, nature videos like skiing and snowboarding and climbing, and, and all of that is on that level. You know, doing the raddest terrain, you know, extreme everything. And to find a guy who goes out there just to, Go doesn't sell videos. I mean, who's going to watch that? You know, just some guy sitting there watching a sunset or up early to catch a sunrise doesn't really turn anybody on. You know, they got to see guys hawking themselves off a, you know, 100-foot cliffs, you know, knowing they're going to set off an avalanche when they land, but they'll be able to outrun it kind of thing. You know, I, I remember reading from a, a photographer and a producer of these videos, and he said it's now the audience demands such extreme things that it's really difficult to even put out a video that will be watched by a lot of people because you've got to go so far. Yeah, you got to go far out on the edge. You endanger the athletes. You endanger the photographers, you know, and and on and on it goes. And he said, and where is it going to end? And, of course, more and more people are dying. 
been before. I mean, it's a lot more because of the extreme. And now, you know, the everyday guy looks at that and he says, I can do that too, you know. And so they try to do what the professionals are doing, but they're not on that level. And then they get in trouble and then, you know, here comes search and rescue and or maybe not, you know. <laughs> So anyway, yeah, it, it's fueled by many things. The motive passion is present in so many different areas. All the videos, you know, just the mentality that people have more and more. And what we watch and what we see and what we associate with and what we hear actually determines what motive nature controls us. Well, well that's, I, I have a, <laughs> you just reminded me about a quote that I read quote, your diet is not only what you eat, it's what you watch, what you listen to, what you read, the people you hang around. Be mindful of the things you put into your body, emotionally, spiritually, and physically. Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What goes in, goes in. <laughs> you know. Regardless how, which, whichever the, of the <clears throat> which, senses are. <laughs> yeah, which one uh, brings it in. And that's what, you know, the teaching in the Vedic scriptures is. I was uh, just today looking at, at something about the different things that uh, influence which mode of nature is dominant in your life. And it, it quotes some things like religious scriptures, water, one's association with one's children or with people in general, the particular place, the time, activities, birth, meditation, chanting of mantras, and purificatory rituals, these vary in quality so that by their association, the modes of nature become variously prominent. And, you know, in general, when we speak about the modes of nature, we don't talk about religious scriptures, we don't talk about mantras, we don't talk about purificatory rituals, you know, we kind of lump that all in the mode of goodness, <clears throat> or charity, for instance, and, and things like that. That's all, you know, usually presented as or, or categorized as mode of goodness. And then the other activities, like we we're talking about the sports or yeah, but that's thought I was surprised because you said water. I was like, yeah, nature, that must be more goodness. That... Yeah, yeah. Well, we're going to talk about those things. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, because everything is in one of the three modes, everything. And so it talks about that in Bhagavad Gita, actually. You know, in different charities and different happiness and, you know... Everything is basically in one or more of those modes. Sometimes it's a combination of the modes, as we talked about last week. The material world is basically composed of three modes of material nature. And they're goodness, passion, and ignorance. And these different modes exert different influences on an individual. And it's a psychological influence. But the psychological influence 
influences the rest of our thinking and our willing, our bodies, et cetera, et cetera. And so the point is, when we, the spirit souls, are in the material world, we come under the influence of these forces. We'll call them forces of material nature. And they basically control us. And although we don't even know about it and we think, oh, I decided to do this or I want to do that, our desires and our feelings towards something, et cetera, et cetera, we think that's my doing. Really, it's just the influence of the modes of nature that are producing that. Mm. And so the idea, if a person wants to better their life, and everybody should want to better their life, is to be under the influence of the mode of goodness. That's the best influence of the three material influences. But but you're saying, like, regardless of those, we are being influenced? I mean, how about, like, yeah, so we don't have a free choice? Well, yes and no. I, I gave an example last week. You know, if I drink a, a bottle of vodka, I'm going to come under the influence of that alcohol. But I had a... I had a choice to drink it or not drink it. So I had a choice originally not to come into the material world, but I didn't take that choice. So therefore, when I come into the material world, I automatically come under this influence. We're here, we always have to do something like we're active. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the soul is active by nature. So we're always acting, you know. But again, the activity is controlled by the modes of nature. I'm active, but what is directing that activity? See? And that's this influence of the modes of nature. Mm -hmm. And so the idea is, under the mode of goodness, it describes in Bhagavad Gita, that the mode of goodness leads to health and happiness. Physical health, mental health, happiness. I mean, when you're feeling good, you're feeling good. And you're pretty happy about that, you know. And the mode of passion leads to anxiety, to complexities, to frustration. And the mode of ignorance leads to indolence, moroseness, lethar lethargy, laziness, darkness, etc. And misery. All of it's misery. But the most intense misery is the mode of ignorance. So, in the lower modes, we kind of went through all this last week. You know, a person is not very interested in anything bright in life. They're just dark. You know, they're sad. You know, they're depressed. You know, there's, there's just gloom and doom in their life. Ambition is very low. And so they're prone to intoxication. They're prone to a lot of sleep. Mm -hmm. Unhealthy foods, diet. I mean, food is a very big player in people's lives. Junk food, meat, ignorance food, old food, decaying food, you know, fermented foods. Uh, and that's what they're attracted to. They like that, see? Because that's the mode of influence 
I mean, of ignorance, influence. See, they like it. I mean, it's not like they don't want it. They do want it. That's where they're at, so to speak. Under the mode of passion, it's different. Big agendas, great, great passion. You know, the senses are very, very strong. You know, always needing to stimulate the senses, like you were mentioning, boredom. You know, if the senses aren't just fully stimulated, we're bored. You know, oh, I don't, what is there to do? This is boring. You know, so back to your example of nature, you know, how many times have you seen, I've seen many, many times, you know, there'll be a beautiful natural setting and there'll be a place and a party of people will be there having a picnic, you know, maybe it's by the sea, maybe it's in the mountains, maybe it's by a hot spring, you know, I mean, idyllic setting, but what did they bring with them? They brought their barbecue. They brought, of course, their phones. Everybody's got phones. But they brought their barbecue. They brought their boom box. You know, they brought their case of beer or two cases of beer. You know, their vodka, their, you know, whatever. And they're just having a full tilt, you know, ignorant passion party in nature. So they miss the whole thing. You know, they don't get the benefit that's available there. They don't get the mode of goodness. You know, you know, and and they're smoking a cigarette and say, "Man, this fresh air is great." Exactly. <laughs> you know, but it's, it's it's kind of like they by purpose do that. Like they don't want to. Again, maybe it's boring to them. Maybe it's yeah, yeah. Maybe it's like like it's not attractive to them to just be there and take all that yeah. in. Like and they don't have the exactly. It's too boring. It's like there's nothing to do here. Yeah, yeah. You know, so they bring yeah. something to do. It stimulates the senses. Mm. A person in the mode of goodness, his senses are still stimulated, but their their stimulation that they are seeking is more mild, more gentle, more fulfilling. You know, like the sound of the birds in the trees, not the sound of the boombox. You know, their eyes want to see, you know, the beautiful views or the, the sunrise. You know, they don't want to see the, you know, all the extreme things that they could do. Oh, the line I could ski, or how fast could I run up to the top of that? You know, or... Yeah, so, so you whatever. see different things when you see nature, you mean? Like you, you, you see perceive it, it in a different way. Different ways, yeah. Mm. And the businessman goes into nature, and, you know, the entrepreneur or whatever, and he sees all those beautiful old trees, and he said, man, we could cut all those down. There's so many bored feet you know, just standing right there waiting for the chainsaw and there'd be so much money there. You know, that's how they see it, you know. And another person sees, oh, this is old growth, you know, this is so iconic and to be respected and, you know, it's almost like hallowed ground. And so the modes of nature are, are at work full on and more and more it's the modes of passion and ignorance. It's always been predominant. Modes of passion and ignorance have always been more dominant. But it seems like it's now picking up speed, you know, and... You know, because I, I was just reading some research. I mean, I, I guess it's not worldwide, but this is in somewhere. They made a research and saying that, like, 
it's more than 60% of their, I think it was in Australia, more than 60% of their income goes to mortgages and loans, like paying the house and the loans. And I mean, it's your, it's, it's, it feels like it's not your free choice, but you're put into that position where you just need to work more and more to be able to survive. I mean, when like that much of your money goes to just the loans, like you need to just keep on having that life. So you need to keep on earning that money. I mean, you, it's like you feel, I mean, I do at least, like I feel a stress all the time. Like it's, because... I guess you're worried as well. But why is it gone like that? Because people in the mode of passion have pushed it in that direction. You know, and we bought into the whole complexity of the thing because we're in the mode of passion too. You know, and the carrot is, it will make you happy or you'll be more prestigious. You know, you'll be, you know, keeping up with the Joneses. You'll be like your neighbor, you know. You know, here in Kazakhstan, it's it's... You know, such a contrast sometimes. We were the other day been on a mountain hike and we were coming out and walking down through a village. And <clears throat> what they've done here in Russia too a lot is, you know, the people with money in the cities will go out into the countryside and buy property and build a giant home. I mean, big. So we're walking through this village, and of course, the, where they buy property is in villages. They just go into a village and buy out some guy that's been there for 50, 60, 80 years or whatever, you know, tear down his little wooden house and build their mansion. So on one side of the street, there was this giant mansion, I mean, big, you know, with a fence all around it, big gate and everything. On the other side, there's this old falling down wooden shack with the the guy had some cows and you know chickens running around in the yard you could smell the animals and and etc you know he's like living 50 80 100 years ago and across the street you know here's the land cruiser and the big house and the you know the big satellite dish and the the whole show, side by side. I mean, the contrast is just boom, boom. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, that, that's where society has gone. You know, bigger is better. More is more is more. But we, you know, have a tendency to see less is more. You know, the less you have, the better you are. In the Vedic society, the sannyasi, who was in the renounced order of life, and he'd evolved through different levels of development to come to that point, is the person who had basically renounced the world, you know, for a spiritual purpose. You know, he was now focusing entirely on his spiritual growth and kind of just abandoned all the material pursuits. And... uh and in the Vedic society, this was the most respected position. But in modern society, that is like a kook, you know. And it's the opposite. Case. Yeah. That's... yeah. <laughs> he, he doesn't get it, you know. Yeah. Have a credit card? Nope. <laughs> Got a car? Nope. <laughs> you know, who are you? You're nobody. <clears throat> but anyway, it's it's a person has to begin by hearing the truth and then kind of 
with some intelligence, hopefully, hearing that, you know, goodness ultimately is the best choice. So let's look at, because if it is the best choice, which it is, and a person wants to achieve it, then we have to know how to do that. In other words, we have, as humans, intelligence to make choices. But we can't make the right choice if we don't have the right information. We need knowledge. So we're always, you know, encouraging people to accept this Vedic knowledge because this is coming from the Supreme Lord. This is not just man figured it out somewhere or came up with some, you know, opinion. I mean, this is absolute proven fact. And so what does it say here to bring person to the mode of goodness? Religious scriptures, this is interesting. Because, you know, most people don't know anything about scriptures at all. But different scriptures, because that's not trendy either. <laughs> you know, scriptures are like, we don't, we don't need that stuff. And we barely know but, what that is. Like. Yeah. Religious books. <laughs> we, you know, maybe people can relate to books. It's called scriptures because when it was written down, it was done by the scribe of all scribes, Srila Vyasadeva, and then other scribes, people, the writers. They wrote this eternal knowledge down. You know, that's why it's called scriptures. It's, it's in script. But anyway, there's different scriptures for people under the influence of the different modes of nature. See? And the scriptures are guidelines to help a person advance to low, from lower modes to higher modes. And then ultimately out of the influence of the modes of nature entirely, which is called pure goodness. So if people are in the mode of ignorance, they need information that's relevant to them. What can you do? You're in the mode of ignorance. This is what you can do in your consciousness that you have now. To take a step forward. Sort to of take thing. a step forward. Right. Yeah, 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 to purify your existence. So there's scriptures for those people. And then there's scriptures for people in the mode of passion. See, Okay, this is the information that you need to help you take your passionate way of life and apply these teachings to move forward. And then there's scriptures for people in the mode of goodness. The person in the mode of ignorance can't even understand the scriptures in the mode of goodness. And usually the same for the people in the mode of passion. They just can't understand the information that's in the mode of goodness. It's like mathematics. You know, you need to learn the first grade math before you start hearing about calculus. Calculus doesn't mean anything. How could you ever even relate to calculus if you don't know addition and subtraction, multiplication and division? You know, so you, you've got to gain some knowledge and then some more knowledge. And, and then at one point, you're ready for all the higher mathematics. So there's different mathematical books for people in different levels of development. So there's different scriptures for people in different levels of development. So for people in the mode of ignorance, you know, they're kind of prone to worship, you know, 
ghosts and spirits, you know, the shaman uh, fad, we'll call it. I don't know, that's not a nice way to describe it. It's almost like critical. The, the shaman, people that are interested in shamanism right now, you know, they're more telling people about ghosts and spirits. You know, at this place, by this spring, there's some spirits live. And if you come and make some offerings, tie some, you know, things on the, the tree here, here's a spirit tree or here's a spirit rock. And if you leave some offerings or tie some little pieces of cloth here and so on, that you'll appease the spirits and you can pray for better health. I was in uh, uh, Tuva, which is a, a region in Russia over by Mongolia. And there's a lot of shamanism there. And we went to a place where there was three natural little springs. And one was a spring where, you know, the, the story was, where this spring will cure your eyesight or improve your eyesight. And the water from this spring will improve your hearing, etc., like this. And there was a couple of little trees there that were just full of these little cloths tied on and all kind of little trinkets and offerings, you know, by the spring. So first, you got to make an offering, and then you take the water, and if it's for eyes, you put it on your eyes. You know, it's a pros, it, it, it helps your eyesight. In other words, this is what people are inclined to do. So these, these scriptures are, that teach these people, okay, this is what you can do. Worship this particular personality in this particular way to get this particular result. And because they're following a scriptural authority, and the head of the all of the scriptural authority is the Supreme Lord, they're, they're surrendering to a degree. See, they're accepting a higher authority. I'm not the authority. Okay, here's the water, but I don't need to make the offering. No, here's the water, but to get the benefit, I need to make the offering. But but is 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 that the same category as like you worship nature? I mean, that's I don't know so much yeah, about it, shamanism, yeah, but that's one thing I see. It like is, yeah. Is. They use aspects of nature in this yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, and if they they know that there's a spirit, a ghost living in a tree, they'll worship the tree. Therefore, worshiping the ghost inside or, or a combination of the two. <clears throat> and they respect nature a lot. You look at all the indigenous tribes. They harmonize with nature so much. You know, they understood, you know, this is how it should be. If they had to kill animals to survive, they actually apologized to the animal for killing them before they killed it. I'm sorry, but I have to take your life to sustain my life. You know, and they only took what they needed. They, if they needed enough food for one animal, they killed one animal. And they used every part of that animal for their clothes, for their utensils, for, you know, their, their housing and everything and whatever, you know. So they were very respectful. All this is, is a plus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's see. It's like we have the Samis here in Norway and Sweden and Finland, I guess in Russia yeah. as well, two parts. It's... Yeah, yeah. But, but and I think that's the fact that what you're saying is like you're surrendering to some higher force. You're accepting yeah. that there's something bigger than you. And you know, I'm not the guy, and I got to please that higher force. Yeah, exactly. To get the benefit, 
that they can award me. And if I don't please them, I don't get it. You see, I'm not the authority here. I'm dependent on them. So there's scriptures anyway for this, this category of people. People in the mode of passion, they want big material results. The, 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 these people we've just been referring to are pretty simple. You know, they're not trying to build castles and they're not trying to go to, you know, higher planets and, and so on. But people in the mode of passion, they more want more things, more sensual pleasures, more enjoyments, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, those people couldn't live under the conditions of these people we just were referring to. They couldn't live in a lavu. You know, it's, it's just too austere for them. They couldn't go down to the spring, you know, however far away it is to get their water and, and, and be content at night to just to sit around a, you know, seal skin oil lamp. I mean, a seal oil lamp and, and, and you know, just relate to each other and then go to sleep. I mean, they go nuts, you know. So the people in the mode of passion, they got to have bigger and better things. They got agendas. They want to conquer. They want to have bigger kingdoms. They want to, whether the kingdom's a bigger house, you know, your personal little kingdom or a, a kingdom kingdom or, or, you know, and the scriptures describe, okay, for you people, you can worship demigods, you know, that, you know, are the, the administrators of the material world. And it tells exactly how to worship them. You know, there's a demigod in charge of the water and in charge of the light, another one in charge of the creation and the, and the, whatever, whatever, everything. All the things we're dependent on, there's a personality in charge. And these agents, demigods, are servants of the Supreme Lord, and he's put them in those positions to administer the material affairs. And then that's, I mean, I, I was in India before, and that, that that's what you see when you see that they worship many, many gods, is that? Yeah, yeah, they worship in many demigods. Rama, Shiva, you know, Vishnu is not a demigod, he's the supreme lord, but some see him as a demigod. Ganesh, you know, Durga Devi, you know, and Indra, and Chandra, and Surya, and there's many, many. And so if you want to get this result, then you worship this demigod. If you want to get this result, you worship this demigod. You know, and the Vedas tell us tell how exactly to do that. Offer this at this time in this way. These are the mantras. This is how you should do it. And again, you got to accept a higher authority, but it's still for a material result. You see, so it's it's for people in that position. That's what they want, a better material situation, you know, but much better than the survival mentality that the other ones have, you know, just be kind, be peaceful and, you know, respectful and so on. This is more like, I want a lot. I want this. Intense. So that purifies them by doing that. So they have their certain mantras for those results. And the scriptures that describe this and the religious rituals and practices that they're, you know, guided in doing. So it's all helping them because they're accepting God's guidance. 
And then that's why it's purifying because they accept again a higher yeah. authority. Yeah, yeah. It's the whole Vedic system is designed to help people move forward from whatever position they're in. They move forward. And gradually and gradually they come to a higher, you know, level of consciousness. And now the mode of goodness. There's scriptures for people in the mode of goodness, you know. And it describes in those scriptures, you know, the results of people who are in, in the mode of passion following those scriptures, people in the mode of ignorance following those scriptures. It's describing what the result will be. It's, it's giving people the big picture, you know. And it takes them to the understanding, you know, you're not going to be happy by achieving these things, you know. Higher happiness is spiritual happiness. And it guides people in this way. So it guides them in their diet, like, you know, the vegetarian diet, for instance. And it guides them into studying those teachings of those scriptures and the mantras that those scriptures recommend that they chant to get purification on a higher level, see, and the rituals that they should perform, who they should worship, and how, and when, and how they should spend their day, and who they should associate with. And so, therefore, they become, you know, fixed in the mode of goodness. And then there's scriptures for those people who are going into the mode of pure goodness. The, the 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 mode of influence that's not a material influence but a spiritual influence you know it's called divim pakriti you know divine nature divine influence see this is god's direct influence all of it's god's influence but this is indirect goodness passion and ignorance but this this divim pakriti or influence of pure goodness is directly from the Lord. It's pure spiritual influence to take one completely out of the influence of the modes of nature. And this is the Mahatma. This is the great soul. You know, now he's on a level of purity, you know, and so he's set, you know, and his focus of worship is the Supreme Lord. He's one-pointed in his worship of the Supreme Lord. And his desire is to surprise the Supreme Lord. And he's not trying to get ahead in any aspect of material life. See? So the mode of goodness, as good as it is, is still binding because we can become easily attached to the to the peace and the quiet and the harmony with nature and, you know, it's still about me, you know. Like Even, I, I'm enjoying this and this, and I'm yeah. It's it's enjoyment in a different way. You see, it's enjoying in a mode of goodness, and yeah, it's peaceful. It's it brings health. It brings happiness, but it doesn't bring freedom from the wheel of birth and death. So you still are on the wheel of birth and death, even if you go to higher planets and and live in one of these heavenly, you know, planets for unlimited amount of years. You see, that's temporary too. And you still have to come back down to this planet. And there's still birth, there's still disease, there's still old age, there's still death, you see. So the, the scriptures that are in pure goodness are teaching 
this truth from the highest planet to the lowest planet, all are places of misery, of repeated birth and death. You see, so that's the Lord speaking directly in Bhagavad Gita. But but so, so uh, yeah, maybe I'm jumping forward here, but but it's so. <laughs> I think, at least for me personally, <laughs> I don't like. I feel that I'm probably more influenced by the modes of, modes of ignorance and passion, like honestly. And <laughs> so, how, how how does such a person go forward? Like, should I should such a person read other scriptures or follow some system to gradually be elevated? Is that the idea? Or could you? Well. Yeah, in other words, let, let's go about it in systematic order here. Religious scriptures. Okay, I know you personally, so, you know, you don't need to read the lower scriptures. You, you don't need to do that because you've already done that, either in this life or a previous life. Somehow you've been through that, you know. Those who haven't, they haven't, you know. But those who have, they should go to the mode of goodness scriptures, you know, that, that takes them to that level. And water, this is interesting. You know, the mode of goodness is called sattvic. Sattvic means pure. So sattvic foods, sattvic activities, sattvic water. Pure water, you know, has a pure influence. That's mode of goodness. But if the water's contaminated, you know, with like wine is water that's contaminated with fermented, you know, fruit. Okay, so that's for people in the mode of ignorance. And that will have its influence. See? So therefore, one should drink as, you know, as much pure water as possible. You see, or, you know, pure water that's got pure things in it, like tea, you know, certain plants. That, give off certain, you know, good qualities for the body, you know, different teas, different herbs do different things, see. But the caffeine drinks and all that, the coffees and the, you know, the black teas and, of course, now the energy drinks and so on, that's water that's going to fire up the mode of passion. See? So stay away from that. If you're trying to go to the mode of goodness, that's not going to help you. That's in the way of that. See? So that's why, you know, we have to make that choice. What am I going to drink? Yeah. You yeah, know? yeah. And so, 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 so like these things that you're saying now, it's like those, I mean, that's like gradually answering the question that I had, I guess, because this is all things that are taking you from that stage of being under the influence of ignorance and passion into more, more goodness. Like, yes. Yes, yes. yes. Okay. I mean, we got to have a plan. We got to have a formula. We can't just think our way into it. Oh, t tomorrow I'm going to be in the mode of goodness. You know, it's just like if you've got a serious flu and you think, oh, tomorrow I'm going to be well, you know. Or you got to go through the steps, you know, to, to get well. So we've got a serious illness here, and it's called, you know, the the material disease of, you know, that we have under whichever level of severity it is. So another important uh, consideration is one's association with, with people, because if I associate with people in the mode of passion, that's going to influence me in a passionate way. 
if I associate with people in the inf uh, in the mode of ignorance, that's definitely going to have a mode of ignorance influence on me. See? But if I associate with people in the mode of goodness, that's going to have an influence on me. So I have to choose my association. Mm -hmm. And it depends on how serious a person is. Some people just can't, oh, but I really like these people. I can't, you know, not just be a part of their life or they're a part of my life. You got you to gotta make some sacrifices. What do you want? You know, if you want things to stay as they are, then don't change anything. But if you want things to change, you got to change things. But you can also gradually do that, can't you? I mean, you can gradually introduce the association with such people that you'd like well, to, you know. Then. It's all gradual. It's all mm. gradual. Mm. You know, and usually as you become more, you know, what do you say, elevated, for the use of a better word, you kind of don't have as much in common with those people that you used to, you know. If you're an alcoholic, you got a lot in common with everybody that drinks. You know, you don't know the guy, it doesn't matter, you know the guy or not. Let's go have a beer, you know. Let's go to the pub. You meet people in the pub. All if people that go to pubs meet people all the time in the pub. What's their common ground? The pub and drinking, you know. But if you quit drinking, you don't have that in common anymore. You know, I used to, but I don't now. And I don't want to be under that influence. The worst place for an ex-alcoholic to go is the pub. You know, I'll just go there and sit and talk to the guys. You know, and pretty soon, oh, can you give me a pint? You know, it's, it's like it doesn't work. So look at any rehabilitation program that's ever, you know, been successful, and they'll tell you, don't go to the pub. <laughs> Stay away from that. Stay away from those people. You know, you have to choose. Do you want to be an alcoholic or not? And and, and usually that's, I mean, it goes the other way. Usually when you're, you, you see this in schools, you know, I remember, yeah, I, I could see that it would go in like one of the other directions, like either really good or really bad. Yeah, was... most people are easily influenced. And the advertisers know that. That's why they're always putting it in your face, you know, because they know they can influence you to buy their product, you know. We are influenced by our surroundings. So association, if I want to be in the mode of goodness, I got to associate with people in the mode of goodness. You know, and, and gradually that's the people you have the most in common with. And you feel more comfortable with them. If you're a vegetarian or a vegan, you know, you don't feel as comfortable with people who eat meat. You know, you know, kind of a common activity that people do, no matter where you're at, is go out for dinner. Let's go get something to eat. Uh, yeah. Where if you're a vegetarian, you just don't feel that comfortable about going out with, you know, a person sitting there carving on a steak. You know, yeah, yeah. It, it just, it just, you don't want to be there. But I was studying in Colombia for six months, and I, 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 you know, you know this while there, I started my own. I mean, I, yeah, I rented an apartment because I didn't want to. I just wanted to live with other people who were also vegetarian, basically. So I started my own collective, you know, apartment there. And and, to, and it's not about, what I want to say is that it's not about like feeling better than someone. It's just that I don't feel comfortable around those people. So I choose which people I want to hang around. It's not like I feel that I'm better than anyone who makes a different choice.
<laughs> exactly. Yeah. We're not promoting criticism here and judgment. You know, it's just like you said, you just feel comfortable with those kind of people. Birds of a feather flock together. <clears throat> you know, people that are criminals like to hang around with criminals. <laughs> people that are saints like to hang around with saints. You know, it's just it's just true. You know, over here you've got a flock of crows, and over here you've got a flock of swans, you know. And both have their own qualities and and they like to be with each other and et cetera. You know. A friend of mine wrote a song, you know, and he was when he wrote it, he was feeling pretty, you know, like like I'm in, I'm so impure and, and all these other people are much more pure than I am. He said, I feel like a crow among the swans. You know, that was the, the theme of his song. Here I am, a crow among the swans. You know, but but the, the, anyway, the point is association, very important. You know, and it can be gradual, and you're not mean to anybody, and you're not say, "Get out of my life! I don't want you! I don't like you!" You know, you just—I mean, we've all changed association many times over. You know, when I started surfing, I started hanging around with people that surfed. You know, I had I had a lot to talk about with them. And person who didn't surf, they couldn't even talk to me because they couldn't relate to what I was. I was so enthusiastic about the waves today and my new board and, you know, what's it going to be like tomorrow morning, you know. And, and these people couldn't even relate. So I had nothing in common with those guys, you know. So, but people that surfed, you know, we could just talk for hours on the subject. You know, I went here, I did that. Yeah, it was like this and like that. Did you see this new board that came out? And, you know, it's just normal. It's normal. It's, it's nothing here that we're speaking about that's not normal. See? But what we're saying, if you want the best normal situation, move toward the mode of goodness, you know. Through another point was the association. A particular place, you see. So we've already discussed, you know, a lot about nature being in the mode of goodness. Okay, you go to nature, you're in the middle of the mode of goodness. Whether you appreciate it, whether you, you know, get the most of that or not, you're still there. It's there. If you go to the city, that's the mode of passion. Cities are in the mode of passion. And anybody that can't feel the difference between nature and the city, you know, is numb. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you you have to feel it, you know. And I remember several times I used to work in Arizona at an outdoor market, and you know I'd travel back to L.A. because I was based in L.A. at the time. And I'd be driving through the desert of Arizona, and it's quiet, it's peaceful. You know, deserts are pretty special places. You know, people think they're all oh, they're hostile and they're, you know, I don't want to go to desert, but a desert has some very nice qualities. It's so quiet, it's so peaceful, and you know, there's a lot of people that live in the desert. I mean, like other living entities. You know, the plants are there. Yeah, they got thorns to protect themselves, but. You know, they're beautiful, you know, and the little lizards and the horny toads and whatever, whatever, you know. 
But anyway, I was drive, be by, driving back through the, the desert, you know, quiet, peaceful, no towns, maybe one little town you drive through and go on. But then you come in, you're coming toward Los Angeles, and 100, 100 miles or 150 miles before you get to Los Angeles, you start feeling it. Things are starting to buzz, you know. And you're on the freeway, Interstate 10, and you're going and things are just, you know, it's like you're approaching a beehive. And all of a sudden, you know, the traffic picks up. There's more cars around you. People are driving faster. People are cutting and changing lanes. And, you know, the anger is there and the angst. And, you know, it's just, a, and if you don't get in the mood, you can't make it. You can't just go cruising through like this. You got to get into the changing lanes and going and protecting yourself in this way. And that. you got to get into the, the mode of passion to even make it, <laughs> you know. And by the time you get there, you're just, you know, like, wow, you know, completely over it. You know? And then, so that's in, in the business, you know, getting to go up, getting up, going to work. You know, people are frustrated. There's so much anger. So that's why there's road rage and, you know, people blowing their horns and flipping each other off. And, you know, the, the adrenals are working full on. So the health is not good. The mental state is very fragile. And, you know, if you see all these cities that, that have mass shootings, it doesn't happen. And usually it does sometimes now, but it doesn't really happen as much in quiet little places. It's usually in cities, you know, where people are just struggling, you know, with just everything. That's overwhelmed with everything. Well, for sure. There's a, there's a shopping mall, the, the biggest shopping mall in the north of Norway. I think it's the north of Scandinavia as well. It's a huge shopping mall. And and I for people that are Swedish and moved to Tromsø, it's very funny because it's called Jekta, which in Norwegian means nothing. But in, in Swedish, like it literally means to, to be stressed, <laughs> the shopping mall. There so. you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that is the mode of passion, cities, you know. Then uh, in the cities... There's the bars, the pubs, the nightclubs, you know, the dark places. And that's mode of ignorance, you know. So some people like that. They go there, people in the mode of ignorance. You know, there's a this big thing in England right now about pub life in the UK is like extreme. You know, I mean, that, that's their whole thing. Ireland, England, UK. And, uh, I mean, they value property on how close it is to a pub. You know, one, one time I was, I was helping a friend of mine look for some property in Ireland. And the realtor that was showing us around, you know, his main selling point for a house, this person was looking for an already built house, was how close it was to a good pub. The best pub in this whole area is just you know, right over there, 10-minute walk, you know. And so, therefore, this house is special, you know. I mean, what can I say? That's what they want, you know. That's what they're looking for. In, in Norway, so, it's like the water. <laughs> be close to the water or, you know, be close to the mountains. And yeah, yeah. Be close to the pub. <laughs> so, 
you know, there, there's people that are now having a hard time because, you know, in the UK, they're talking about, oh, you may have to have a COVID passport to go to pub, you know, and they're going, no way, I, you know, he's interfering with my freedom to go to pub, you know, because they know that's the most important thing for these people. So if they make it so you got to have a passport to go to pub, then you'll get the vaccine. In other words, it's, you know, manipulation on that level. But the, a person in the mode of goodness could care less. Okay, I don't go to pub anyway. It doesn't have anything to do with me. You know, I don't do whatever you want to with the pubs. I don't go there. You know, so the places, that has a big influence. Choose your place. Let's say you are forced, and most people are really, you have to live in a city. Okay. But in any given city that I've ever been to, and I've been in the big, some of the biggest, I'd say the biggest cities in the world, you know, I haven't been to China, so I haven't been to Beijing and all that. But in any given city, there's some motor goodness place, as good as it can be, a park, you know. And so every morning, you know, to do my meditation, I try to find a park, you know, and I go there. And yeah, it's traffic all four sides or whatever, but in that park, it's a difference. It's not as much passion as outside. You know, Hong Kong, I mean, that place is like so crowded, unbelievable. You know, you've never been to a crowded place you go to Hong Kong. I mean, the streets are like, you know, 500,000 people coming out of a rock concert, you know, at the end of the concert. I mean, it's just all day. But in... In the park at five o'clock in the morning, it's as good as it's going to get. I'd go there and practice my Tai Chi. And, you know, the park is full of people practicing their Tai Chi because, you know, the, the, the Chinese call it Chi. The Chi is the highest at that time. That's the prana, the life force in the air. You know, it's as quiet as it's going to be, you know, and people are trying to take advantage of that and trying to, to just grasp whatever can in in that, you know, more nature, mode of goodness, you know, surrounding. So you can seek it out. Do the best you can. That's what we're saying. You know, you're we're in an imperfect world. Nothing's perfect. Seek it out. Do the best you can. You know, and you're going to get good results from that. You are. Even if it's a small little piece of grass, you know, Take off your shoes and stand on that little piece of grass, you know, and, and do a little meditation. You know, sit down, do some meditation. You know, if you do job on bees, I like to do it sometime walking. Walk around and, and do it, you know, and you'll be greatly benefited by it. It's a big, big plus, and you have the choice to make that decision, you know. You can make it or not. Or you can just caught up in the whirlwind, get up, you know, turn on the news, drink coffee, check your, you know, social media, you know, have some some thing you shouldn't put in your body for breakfast and go to work. You can choose that too. But but you know but but that seems I mean I you, you probably have I, I don't know if I'm moving ahead too fast now, but that just seems so hard to like get into that. Like, how how do you get the determination? You know, that that's like it seems like an impossible task almost when you're in that. Like, to make that change. It's you know, 
make a change somewhere. You got to make a change somewhere. You got to start doing something different. Go to a meditation class. You know, you give meditation classes. I give meditation classes. You know, go to a meditation class. That's what somebody's got to go. Somebody's got to hear something different. Somewhere you got to do something. You know, maybe you've got a friend at work that is going to meditation classes. And, and somehow you just see, well, you know, something they're doing is is helping them. You know, they're not as stressed as I am or, you know, they're a little more healthy. They don't get sick as often as I do. You know, they're more more calm and peaceful. And, and you say, well, hey, what are you guys doing? What, what, what are you doing, you know? And you start seeing for lunch, they're eating, you know, something that you would call seeds and weeds, you know? Like, that's not food, you know? And then they... They, they start talking to you about, hey, this is, you know, more nutritious. I changed my diet and, you know, these problems I had went away. You know, my mind is more calm. You know, I go to this meditation class and, or I go to this yoga class or whatever. In other words, something has to influence you to do something different, you know. And if you're looking for that, it will happen. If you don't want to know about it, then another guy at your work sees this guy and he thinks that guy's a complete kook. You know, look at that. He's, he's eating stupid food. He doesn't have any fun. You know, when he, you know, there's the office party, you know, and he goes, but he doesn't drink or he, you know, he's just having a, a soda water or, or he doesn't call, whatever. I mean, the other guy's seeing him, but you're seeing this guy. Wow, whatever that guy's doing is working. You know, your perception is some something has to set it off. You know. And like I say, if you want a change to come about in your life, you it will. It will. You know. You're looking, seek and you shall find. That's what it says in the Bible. You know, seek and you shall find. You may not know where to seek, but it'll be arranged that, like I say, something will bump into you. You know, I mean, I remember when I was leaning toward vegetarianism, but I wasn't vegetarian yet. I'd cut out red meat and so on and so on, but, you know, I was still eating some fish and whatever. And then, you know, a, a friend of mine, brother, lived in California. We were living in Hawaii. And we went, we met his brother in, in California to go on a surf trip down to Baja, California. And so we went in his his. Volkswagen van. We went down there, stayed for, a, I don't know, four or five days a week, I can't remember, but long enough, and, and he arranged everything. So he arranged the food, he arranged where we were going to go surf, he arranged everything. And so the whole week we were there, we ate avocados, we ate refried beans, we ate, you know, nice vegetables, I mean, you know, green vegetables, lettuce, and nice, fresh, clean vegetarian food, you know, and it wasn't any big deal for me because I was already, you know, leaning for that, but I'd never taken that step. And when I came back from that trip, I went, man, I'm this, I did it for five days. That's, I'm going to keep doing it. I'm in, I'm done, you know, and I never ate meat again, you know? And so for me, it, it was just that little thing, you know, just a surf trip, but he was in charge, and his influence and, and my experience just 
that was it you know <laughs> like i'm trying to do with my family like always when we go on mountain hikes i always make <laughs> buffet vegetarian food <laughs> like yeah. that's the deal <laughs> they they don't complain they, they're really happy but but unfortunately as of yet they haven't turned away from the meat yet but um, still yeah they will maybe eventually maybe <laughs> yeah so anyway let's let's that's a particular place so you know nature goodness city's passion and the pubs and the restaurants and the bars and the blah 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 motor ignorance mm -hmm. so you choose what do you want you know you say well i like that well okay what can we say all right so the time the time of day this is interesting point every everybody has 24 hours a day and by nature's design which of course is god's design the day is divided into segments and in those different segments the one of those th three modes of nature is more dominant so let's start in the morning early from four o'clock in the morning till about six we'll be lenient and say seven although seven's pushing it mode of goodness is dominant it's called the Brahma Mahurta hour. And this is when the mode of goodness has the strongest influence on us. So therefore, it's the best time to do our spiritual practice, to do our meditation. If you're going to do Hatha Yoga, this is the best time. And if, you know, even exercise, you see joggers out a lot of times. You know, they're, they're trying to get that extra prana in the air, that extra chi, that extra energy. You see, everything is better at that time of the day. So that's what it's for. Spiritual practice. You go to India, like Vrindavan, India, you know, where Lord Krishna appeared. This is an amazing, sacred place of pilgrimage. 4.30 in the morning, 4, 4.30 in the morning is like rush hour. Everybody's up. They're going to the temples to do their worship. They're going to bathe in the Jamuna River. You know, it's just like, that's what's going on. You know, but it's all about spiritual. People are chanting mantras. You can hear people in the temples chanting and making their offerings. And, you know, people bathing, like I say, in the Jamuna River, which is a sacred place of, you know, bathing and so on. That's what they're doing. They're taking advantage of that time. It's just their schedule. That's, that's life, you know. So then from let's say seven, you know, throughout the day is a mode of passion. And by the way, back up a little bit. In the, the Brahma Murta hours, that mode of goodness time, the mind is more peaceful. The mind is more calm. The, it's able to focus more on spiritual truth, read scriptures, chant mantras, etc. In other words, everything is set to help us at that time. And is stated in Srimad Bhagavatam, the spiritual benefit you get from doing your practice at that time is greater than if you do the same practice any other time of the day. That's just like God's, you know, bonus package. You know, it's just like if you work in the morning on a job from four to seven, we'll pay you, you know, more money than if you do the same thing from the rest of the day, you know. So, from every angle of design, it's the best time. 
to get up early and do those practices. And it's proven that it's the best time for your health to get up early. You know, early to bed, early to rise makes a man healthy, wealthy, and wise. You know, that was a saying I heard from when I couldn't remember. And my grandmother said, go to roost with the chickens and get up with the chickens. You know, and that's what they did. That was farm life. You know, you went to bed early, you got up early. So that's, that's the time of the day. Okay, like I say, seven throughout the day is mode of passion. That helps you do what you got to do. You got to work. You got to do what you got to The mode of passion is pushing you. It's giving you that impetus. So you're using it. You're taking that influence and using it in the way it's intended to be used. Hmm? Then sunset, again, comes the mode of goodness. And if you, especially in nature, you can notice that. In cities, it's kind of, you know, wiped out. But at, in nature, at sunset, things quiet down. The birds quiet down. The animals kind of mellow out. And, you know, everything is getting quiet and peaceful. You know, and so that's the mode of goodness. That's another good time to do your meditation, your chanting. So that's what we do in the in the evenings in bhakti yoga. We come together, you know, or if we're you know not together, we individually, you know, we we chant, we read scripture, we have these activities, and so that lasts till about nine or ten o'clock. At 10 o'clock, the mode of ignorance comes in. And this is designed for sleep. Ignorance is sleep. People in the mode of ignorance sleep a lot. Ignorance helps us to sleep. That's how the body's designed. At 9 or 10 o'clock, you go to sleep. 10 o'clock is the latest. Mm -hmm. And then that helps you to sleep till 4 a.m. when the mode of goodness comes back in. Time to get up. So if you went to bed at 9, you get up at 4, you've had 7 hours sleep. You know, for most people, that's sufficient amount of sleep. And then you're energized, you start all over, see? Two points. One, a, a little story about, about the sunset. I lived on the north shore of Oahu in Hawaii for some time. And the north shore of Oahu faces where the sun sets. It faces, you know, basically west. Although it faces north, it's also the sun setting right there. And all along the coast, we live right on the beach, and all along at sunset, all the people in the houses would come out of their house and just sit and watch the sun sink into the ocean. You know, it was like a ritual. And people were talking, I mean, not talking. They were just sitting there focusing on the sunset. If they were talking, it was very quiet, very hushed. But that wasn't, the, it wasn't a social event. It was an experience to watch the sun sink into the ocean and feel that energy. And we went out every night and, and did that. And it was so mellow. You just look up and down, and here's a whole line of people all the way on both sides doing the same thing. You know, very cool really doubt they still do that i mean yeah do they? that's how it was I, I, <laughs> yeah that was that was life in those days you know it was really really nice and 
so that's that point. And as far as sleep in the mode of ignorance, the body's designed that during the day, we're very active, and we do a lot of cellular damage in the body just by muscle activity and whatever. And that produces free radicals. And, you know, if you know much about how the body works, there's free radical damage. And the free radicals cause a lot of damage to other cells. That's one thing that causes cancer a lot, free radical damage. And, of course, the more stress we're under and, and so on, then the more, you know, free radicals and damage there is, etc. But not to worry, because by nature's arrangement, at night, the body repairs itself. Why do people take antioxidants? What have we heard about? Free radicals, it's like the body rusts. It's like oxidizing. You know, there's an electron missing, and these radicals are trying to scavenge an electron from, from a cell that, that has a full contingent, etc. And so antioxidants are designed to neutralize free radicals. And so they're a big supplement push now. Oh, this is a strong antioxidant. Take vitamin C, take this, take that, you know. Antioxidant qualities. But the strongest antioxidant is produced by a little gland at the base of the brain, you know, called the penile gland. And it secretes this hormone that actually is the strongest antioxidant. And it neutralizes the free radicals, that's what it does. So during the night, it's, it's repairing. The body's repairing itself. But this repair only takes place between the hours of 10 and 2 a.m. And if you're awake, it doesn't happen. It has to be done while you're sleeping. So if you're awake at that time, you don't get that da damage repair done. And, of course, you won't notice it in you know, one or two days, a week, whatever. But over time, with the, that going on and your body's not getting its proper preparing, then you start having problems, see? Then you start getting your cancer or you start getting you know, this issue or that issue because the body's breaking down. You didn't allow it to repair itself. So that's another reason that we need to get that sleep. But most people don't even think about going to bed till midnight, you know? <laughs> no. and, and a lot of people, you know, they stay up all night. But, but, but They say, well, I'm a night person. Well, that's exactly what it's gonna say. What, what about that? Well, that's just, you know, somebody's creation that says, well, they've got, they developed a habit. Look at babies. Well, they cry all night. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you look, you know, at, at general, you know, People used to go to bed early. I mean, it was just normal. When I grew up, like I said, it was normal. But we've created, then came the television and the late show and the late, late night show. And, you know, people like to stay up and watch, mode of passion, you know, and they don't get to sleep. They go to bed late and they miss that. And, you know, now we've got a lifestyle built around that. So people are addicted to late nights. I'm a night person. Well, change that, you know, gradually change it. You know, and become a day person and go to sleep at night. You know, we got to do something. We can't just fall back on the excuse, this is the way I am. If you, if you do, you stay the way you are. So we're not getting anywhere. 
the point of this thing is we're trying to get somewhere. We have a goal to reach, you know. What if a person's trying to, you know, summit a, a big peak in the mountains, you know, but, you know, two kilometers in, he said, I'm tired, I quit, you know. I'm just that kind of person. I'm a quitter. And, you know, I, I, I'm just out of shape and, you know, all right, but you'll never reach the goal. And if, if that was a goal that was, you know, something that would really benefit you, you wouldn't get that benefit. You know, everybody can fall back on the, I just just the way I am. You know, that's easy. But it's not easy because you don't get anywhere. So your physical issues, your mental issues, you know, your agitation issues, your anxiety issues, your relationship issues, all these things, which are far less than perfect in most cases, stay the same. You don't solve any problems, you know. And just trying to pop a bunch of pills to solve the problem, which is most people's solution. I'll keep my diet, I'll keep my routine, and I'll just take more medications. And all the time they're coming out with new pharmaceuticals, you know, that are stronger than the last ones to solve the problem. It got worse. And, and you, you just fall into this whole spiral, which is always downward, you know. But it seems like it's harder for some people to change, at least. I mean, some people just seem to have a... I, I guess some people have some physical thing that makes it harder for them. I don't know. Well, nothing's easy. But do they want to change? This is the point. I tried, but how hard did you try? Or did you try to run a marathon? Or did you try to run one block? You know, some people just think, okay, I'm going to change. And then they try to run a marathon. And they haven't been off the couch in 20 years. You know, and they, they just say, I can't do this. How about that, that block? How about a half a block? How about don't run? How about walk? How about walk a block? You know, and then next week, maybe walk two blocks, you know, and, and gradually just build it up. You know, look at it from that angle. People hear all the good stuff and they say, yeah, I'm going to do that. But in reality, they can't do it. You know, and then they get disappointed and they think I'm a loser and I got no willpower and I'm too weak and... You know, I just, it's just too hard for me. I just go back to where I was, you know. No, we're not saying that. We're saying do what you can do. If you can get out and do a little bit, get out and do a little bit. If you can take a little, make a little change, make a little change, you know. But, you know, try to, try to understand that the time of day and how we use it is very important, you see. The activities, you know, there's more to goodness activities. We've already kind of talked about that. You know, the, the walk in nature and, you know, so on. And then the same thing can be turned into another whole dimension of activity. You know, the, the, we talked about that in the beginning. You know, or, you know, whatever activity I am, you know, I, we don't have time to go into all kinds of details on every aspect. But competition sports are in a mode of passion, for instance, you know. And so you can see that people in the mode of passion are more inclined to do that. They like team sports, you know, the competition. And other people in the mode of goodness, they never were maybe attracted to team sports. They like more individual sports, like taking the walk or taking the run or, 
you know, going cross-country skiing or, you know, not on the race team, but just go for a ski, you know, or go for a swim, but not on the swim team. And, <laughs> you know, those kind of things. So, you know, I'm not saying competition sports are bad, but for certain people, they're really bad because, you know, like I know a person who really likes to play soccer, and he's very good at playing soccer. But he shouldn't play soccer at all because he winds up every time getting angry, getting frustrated, yelling at people. You know, it just turns into a whole war every time. And people don't even many times want to play with him because, you know, it just turns a fun thing into not a fun thing. You know, so I told him, you shouldn't even play. You know, if you can't control it, if you can't just go out and play the game, whether you win or lose, or this guy made the wrong move, and you're the coach, and you're you know you're telling him, well, why'd you do that? Chastise. That's not that's not even good for you. You shouldn't do that. Well, because it's the reason to like from doing what you what is good for you and what you like to do. Like I, I've always been into sports in my own life, like competitive sports, all kinds of sports. I started playing ice hockey when I was probably five or six, I think, you know, <laughs> Just like a toddler, you know, and, but, but, but like gradually, yeah, the just interests decreased more and more also because like nowadays you have to you, you can't just like play football for fun like everything has become so competitive like we said in the beginning like even sports walking into nature of course as well but like so so eventually i just felt like no this is not and and i felt that it's aggravating me like it's like i i can't see where the end goal is because yeah. it's just like more and more you know? yeah it's that's that's the way it is But some people are going to stay there. They addicted to that. They like that. That's their choice, you know. So, but gradually you changed. I mean, you didn't change all in one night. You know, it just came. It just changed. So your taste changes as your consciousness changes. You know, what used to taste so sweet starts to taste bitter, and what you had no taste for starts to taste sweet. Yeah. And uh yeah. And meditation, there's there's different meditations for different results, you know. And you know, what do you want? You know, the meditations we teach are to bring people to the mode of goodness and pure goodness. I mean and specifically pure goodness. These these mantras that we chant, you know, they are to bring a person to the mode of pure goodness, you know. And there's there's mantras for all kinds of things, you know. So, again, hearing is the first step in development. Hearing is the first step in development, material or spiritual. You know, first you got to hear. You know, the ear is the first sense to develop. And the last one to in, leave, isn't it? Yeah. In the womb, the baby can hear long before it can see and smell and taste. It can hear. That's why you can chant mantras to a baby in the womb, and that baby can hear and become purified before taking birth, you know, or read stories of, you know, the, the ancient Vedic scripture stories and so on, you know. And like you say, it's the last sense to leave. All the other senses shut down, 
the hearing is still there. So if you happen to be around a person and it looks like they're dying, they're leaving their body, you know, and it's looked like, oh, they're, they're gone or they can't hear me, they can hear you. Or people in comas can still hear. Hmm? I know a person that was in a coma from a car wreck for, I don't know, six months or something, and the doctors kept telling his wife she was reading, you know, our scriptures to him and chanting to him, and doctor saying, you're wasting your time, you can't hear. When he recovered, he eventually did, which was a shock to the doctors, you know. He said I, he, could hear, he could hear. He said, I heard that, you know. So anyway, it's the last sense to leave. So hearing is the most important sense. What do we hear? Lend our ear to the right things. You know, you got something you were, you were mentioning to me before. About something you put in. Or, you know, you, you read something that you found. What do you oh, hear? Oh, the, the, the quote? Yeah. Yeah, the... It's what you watch, what you listen to, what you read, the people you hang about. Be mindful of the things you put into your body emotionally, spiritually, and physically. Yeah, exactly. Each sense is, an, is a doorway. They call them the nine gates of the body. And each sense is a doorway for things to get in to the head, to the brain, to the mind, you know, to the consciousness. So we got to be very careful about what we allow to go in. You know, people that might be really strict on their, their diet, you know, their food. Oh, I don't eat that. I don't eat that. No, that pollutes my body. This has got chemicals. This is not organic. You know, this is not fresh, whatever. Might be completely loose in what they look at. You know, they'll look at any garbage or they'll listen to any kind of garbage. You know, and, and that just goes in and, you know, they're worried about, you know, their physical well-being and not protecting their mind at all, you know. And so, therefore, they're, they're, they're polluted. Look at the polluted, look at the obvious result of polluted consciousness today. The atrocities that are committed by people that obviously... Their consciousness is so polluted, so dark, you know, so evil, so, you know, filled with, you know, just bad things. You know, it's, it's hard to even find the proper words to describe it. The molestations, the rapes, the, you know, the terrible things that are happening, the murders, the tortures, the, I mean, stuff that people are doing. A person, any semblance of human, being a human, couldn't do it. You couldn't do it. See? You couldn't do it. The hearts are, are so hard now. They can do anything, you know. All these things that are happening in, like, Myanmar right now. I mean, my goodness, you know. This, even if the stories are half true, you know, you, you, you couldn't even do that unless you were just some kind of less than animal. You know, and uh, so on. So that's how it is in the world. You know, this has become so dark, so corrupt, so polluted that it is almost like normal. You know, we don't even, you know, react to it almost. It's like, yeah, of course. You know, 
But that's a big danger, right? I mean, it's because it's, you think that's natural, like you think that's how it's supposed to be. I mean, we've spoken about that in sort of jealousy and different things, but... Yeah, it's, the, it's time for a change. And individuals are the ones who have to change. You know, you can't just throw it out there to a blanket, you know, society and say, you guys must change. We're going to, you know, control it from the top. And now you can't do this and you can't do that, you know. No, people have to take some initiative and change it themselves, you know. And we're trying to give some direction to people who are a little bit interested, who want to change. And after we come to the mode of goodness, then we are candidates to step off into the realm of pure goodness, like I briefly mentioned, you know, where we become directly under the influence of the Supreme Lord. The goal is to please the Lord. You know, devotional service is the most attractive thing. <clears throat> service to the Lord. <clears throat> and that will also translate into compassion and care and concern for the children of the Lord, other living entities, not just humans, you know, but all living entities. <clears throat> and also that will extend out into the environment, you know, and it, it, it all starts with the source. It all starts with the source, the Supreme Lord. You know, if you're trying to please Him, then you want to incorporate how you treat others and how you treat His property and how you treat, you know, His creation and everything. And things get better for that individual. And as one individual gets better... He will have the ability to influence other people so they can become better. Who can influence other people is, you know, spiritual network marketing. <laughs> <laughs> I see. Yeah. <laughs> but this is the best product. It's called real love. Wow. Mm. <laughs> and freedom. This just came up. You know, because we started this talk speaking about how we're, we're just trapped by these influences. I mean, that's, that doesn't ring well. Like, I don't like that thought. I don't think that's attractive to anyone, like being controlled by some external force. Like, we want to be free. That's natural to us. Yeah. Real freedom. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But remember, the external energy, you know, personified is Maya Devi or the illusory energy is expert at making it so those who are the least free think they're the most free. So you have to have someone who sees the tricks of the magician, sees the illusion, sees the hypnotic spells that are thrown and alert you to them and guide you out of that. And that's the spiritual master. And that's these Vedic scriptures, you know. This is, uh, this is actually a quote from, from Srimad Bhagavatam that I found before we had this talk. And it says, uh, I, I guess kind of like a summary and, and to what you say as well. This cosmic creation results from interaction of the three modes of nature. And the temporary manifestations are so created as to create 
as to present an illusion of reality to the bewildered mind. Yeah, this is real. This is the real world. This is real life. It's not. It's an illusion. So but the spiritual master can alert us to this. You know, beware. You know, all these internet scams that go on, you know, and, you know, there's always some agency that's saying, beware, you know, of these scammers. If somebody, you know, sends you an email and says this and that, you know, don't open it. Don't open that attachment. See, so the spiritual master's alerting us to Maya's scam. Don't fall for it. Don't go there. You're in there already. She's already got full control, but here's how you can come out from under that control. Do this, do this, do this. Don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. This is her weapon. Don't let her use it against you. Do this, do this. So it's, it's a scientific proven formula that saves our life. Yeah. Okay, Reuben, time's up. Let's have a little chant. Yeah. That's, that's the magic right there, you know. This is one of those magic things, is the transcendental sound. <laughs> yeah, now I have a lot of ideas for the talk next week. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Okay, as always, we keep the mantra simple. Just go Ranga Haribo.
Haribo, Goranga, Goranga, Haribo. Haribo, Goranga, Goranga, Haribo.
Addy Bowl. Hello. Do you know that you can take one ear off while I keel like this? And then you can actually hear the people in the room better if you think that your earphones are too tight. I just... Yes, I thank you. I, I will do that next time. <laughs> yes. Or maybe I'll wear my other ones. Your juggernaut ones, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I like those. <laughs> they're, they're still the best. Yeah. All right, Ruben, it's been great. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we can talk more about whatever you want to talk about next week. <laughs> yeah, we might get into this topic of the mind and, and how to see the mind and how to, to control the mind, how to redirect the mind, which is, you know, our thoughts, our consciousness yeah. and how to... Yeah, that's very important. Okay, so Hari Bowl to everybody there. Yeah. <laughs> thank you, and thank you, Slava, so much. Very, very yeah. grateful for your help, everyone there. And we'll we'll see you next week. Or we'll see you before probably, but yeah. Here next week on the podcast. Yeah. Back next week. All right. Namaste. Namaste. That's it for today. So thank you very, very much for being here with us today. And uh, we hope this has made sense to you. And uh, as usual, if not, then please write to us so we can respond to your questions. Um, now, if you'd like to contribute to the project and help other people uh, get access to this podcast as well, do check out our uh, Patreon page and the link is available in our link tree. Uh, more than that, we have a Facebook page where you can take part and, and ask questions and other community. And um, yeah, we just hope to see you soon again. So uh, have a nice day and, you know, remember, stay true to yourself and dare to break trail. <laughs>